0: This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joir, and today is Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. And my guest is no other than Ryan Hager of Android Police. Hi, Ryan. How are you?
1: I'm good, Miriam. It's a pleasure to be on.
0: Yeah, thanks for being my guest. This is cool. Um, So you saw the topics. I mean, it's mostly a news kind of week. There's not been any new releases of phones or any big announcements or any of that jazz. But um, I got a few things I wanted to run by you because, well, you know, you wrote some interesting stories recently. So um, I want to kind of start. Uh talking a little bit about OnePlus because the Almond version came out last week. I mentioned that on the show, I think, last week, but we didn't really spend too much time on it. And I know you're a big OnePlus 7 fan since you wrote their review over there. Um what are your thoughts on that almond color?
1: I so I think it's almost perfect because I really like uh that sort of gold and uh white aesthetic, especially that subtle off-white. That's that's really really my jam. But I wish the back was matte. I don't like glossy phones.
0: Yeah, I think that would have even more of a positive impact for sure. Um, Do you feel that they've kind of copied the iPhone too much? Because it does have that kind of gold-ish, off-white color that the iPhone has as well,
1: right? I I don't know if I would necessarily characterize it as too much. It's definitely, like, it's clearly and obviously copying the iPhone. But I don't know if that's by itself a bad thing. It looks good on the iPhone. It looks good here. I don't really care where it originated. But... Me. Yeah.
0: No, I agree with you. I'm, I'm just saying that because that's what the biggest kind of feedback I've gotten from my listeners and from the people watching my um, unboxing video is being like, oh, such an iPhone copy. And I'm like, uh yeah, there's no iPhone that's as big as the OnePlus 7 Pro. Okay, I'm going to be a size queen here, first of all. I don't know, is the 10s as big as the OnePlus 7 Pro? It's a big phone, so maybe it is.
1: I think the Seven Pro is still larger, but I'm not as familiar with the size of the iPhones as compared to Android phones.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't have a XS. I have a 10. Um, uh, 10. I, I should say XS Pro, or whatever the big one is. Plus, I think, Plus yeah, thank yeah. you. What uh, Apple? Seriously, you can't get your naming right. It's crazy uh max no it's not pro or plus it's max tennis max remember max oh, oh I mean, that's it that's right it was max it. you're right it's i'm sorry it's terrible I'm sorry. it's a terrible name look at us like we're so android We forgot the names of the freaking apple phones Ah, oh, we're so funny i love it um but yeah look i think um it's i'm, I'm a bit duh, uh sad that uh it's it's not what's the word i'm looking for it's not it's,
1: it's not, not exciting
0: it's not an 8 gigabyte. It's not a 12 gigabyte. It's an 8 gigabyte. That they me. That's oh. what, like, I mean, the 12 know, gigabytes fickle, overkill, right? though.
1: It's, you don't need it. No, no one needs No, but
0: now that. that they do the RAM disk thing where they put all your apps in RAM running, right? Like, basically, eh. like, instant start and stuff. I've just gotten so used to that. Although, honestly, I have not noticed any difference in speed.
1: Yeah. Um, but look. My, my only criticism is I'd love for them to do something more adventurous, because the... The, the the gold is nice, and it's the expected color, and yeah, you want black and gold and maybe silver, and that's your lineup, but I want to see them do something, like, really <laughs> funky. I want, like, avocado green. I want, like, bright yellow. I want something cool.
0: Oh, yeah. I want to see them do more of the colors they do in Asia with Oppo and Vivo.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know?
0: And uh, because they are part of that same BBK group. So, I, I mean, look, the reality is I love the OnePlus 7 Pro. I still think it's a really solid phone, like, a month in or whatever it's been, a month and a half. Um, I love that they sent me that almond and gold. I think, it's, I think it's bling. That's the title I used in my video. <laughs> I, I love the bling. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. For the right folks, it's the right thing. Yeah, I agree with you. It should be matte. And I think that it um, is very hot and sexy. And if you're looking, you know, if you're already looking for OnePlus 7 Pro, now you have to make a decision in terms of uh, aesthetic because I love the blue one as well. The blue one is, it's that, it's that um, gradient thing that's really got me going. So, I don't know. It's a tough one, right?
1: Yeah. The gradient, I mean, I'm not in love with the gradient, but it's, it's definitely more adventurous than the, uh, than the other colors.
0: So, I want you to tell us a little bit about something that's coming to the OnePlus 7, of some new features that have been announced, or you wrote a story about this. Um, something about uh, wide-angle video recording and yeah. and other uh, and improvements to always-on display, which is one of the things I
1: dock for points
0: because I was like, ah, it's not really an always-on display, guys. Um, So what, what's uh, what's the news? What's up?
1: Yeah, so that's that's definitely, I would say that that's been the most common criticism I've seen when it comes to the phone is the lack of an always-on display. And over the last, I think, week, week and a half, um, OnePlus has been responding to some of the feedback and criticism, uh, maybe even a little longer than that, uh, especially in regards to individual features like wide-angle video recording and... Uh, be always on display. And so yesterday, they published an update on, uh, I think, 12 different features that they're actively investigating or working on. And unfortunately, always on display is still one of those, you know, we're looking into it, there's power concerns and efficiency and performance to be examined before we consider implementing it. because they don't want to do it if it's going to result in a negative user experience, if battery life falls through the floor, like on the pixels. If you disable always on display on the pixels, you get like an extra hour of screen on time. So... I think they want to make sure that if they do it, it has as negligible an impact on battery life as possible. Um, But uh, wide-angle video is on the roadmap, and it sounds like, based on the responses that they gave yesterday, that they are actively working on that. So that is is planned and will probably come pending any unforeseen jank.
0: That's awesome. I mean, look, I those are two things that I talked about in my review as well on, on geekspin.co. And I think, you know, uh, I think we all came from that. You know, if you have multiple lenses, you have video recording on all the multiple lenses, right? And he, they didn't deliver that. So yeah. we were like, uh, guys, uh, hello, uh, give us some love here. So yeah, that was, uh, that was disappointing, but, uh, you know, there's so much good stuff about the one plus seven pro that I was willing to gloss over some video, uh, uh, inappropriateness there but uh, at the same time it's good to see they're working on and this is the one thing about having a company like OnePlus that's so connected to its user base is that you're going to get that that feedback loop and it's going to make for a better product, right?
1: And they're only ever getting better with that. Sometimes yeah. uh, even as a tech blogger who has lines to PR representatives that the average guy doesn't have. Certain companies feel like I'm yelling at a brick wall. I can't even imagine how customers feel. Like trying to talk to Google is one of the worst experiences in the oh, world. Google,
0: Apple. I mean, here's what I can tell you as both a customer and a journalist, and as a journalist who's also covered cars, these are the worst companies to deal with for PR. Hands guess, down. Far. I Google's I mean, PR is terrible. Apple is worse than everyone else then there's Google, then Tesla is up there as well. Tesla is terrible, both as a customer and as a, uh, as a journalist. It's like, you never know who's gonna be your PR person the next day. It's kind of like Apple and Google that way. But at the same time, they're really not most responsive with customers. Like, yeah. uh, and, 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 you know, I think, you know, OnePlus has had a lot of growing pains. Uh, they Definitely. finally stabilized their PR like about three years ago. The first two years were pretty rocky. Um, but now they're pretty on point with Eric and the team there, good folks. Um, and they're and incredibly Jane. communicative.
1: They're they're easy to get a hold of. They answer yeah. almost all your questions. But they're, for customers, they've
0: also had some, you know, to learn. They've especially done some kind of stupid, you know, um, they've in, in their attempt to be kind of viral in their marketing, they've done some pretty stupid things in yeah. the old days. I think they've learned from that, though. and And, again, I've had, Enough updates on my one plus seven pro review unit right now the the blue one that I have uh because i've been, I haven't really set up the almond one yet uh that I'm like, okay, yeah, like I as a customer would feel well taken care of, you know, like the camera's improved, um reading the story you wrote uh, gives me a lot of uh makes me makes me happy and makes me want to recommend that phone even more
1: yeah i mean, i I feel the same way I still have there's still things about the seven pro that I don't like, and I kind of think of phones now not in terms of which phone do I like the most, it's which phone do I dislike the least. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Because they're all they're all pretty great. You got the Pixel 3, you got the Galaxy S 10 Plus, you got the you know OnePlus 7 Pro, you have the latest Huawei. They're they're all objectively good phones, but I tend to gravitate to the one that is the least bothersome to use, the one that upsets me the least to have to deal with. And for the last, I would say, two years. That's been pretty consistently OnePlus phones. There are things about them I don't like. They're the camera for ages, a bunch of, you know, small software issues like background apps being killed prematurely and not being able to fix that in settings. But when it comes to actually just like using it day to day, I find myself getting frustrated the least when it comes to using a OnePlus phone.
0: I agree. And, you know, it's funny because you and I were, I spent quite a bit of time together in New York at the, at the OnePlus 7 Pro launch. And at the time, we'd had the device for a while and our views went up when the the events ended or in the middle of it or whatever. And you remember how we were still very kind of still in the kind of, you know, honeymoon phases and still. And now I look back and I still can't disagree with a lot of what I said then. Like, I'm still pretty smitten. I have to admit, though, the size has gotten to me. It's a big freaking phone. I wrote it at the time. I admitted it at the time. But, man, now I feel like, oh, my God.
1: And I think that Ooh. issue was compounded by the Pixel 3a because it we, we we all got the 3a to uh, Google the week exactly. before. So like I had this tiny, very lovely, little, almost disposable, but fantastic feeling phone and the giant OnePlus 7 Pro. And as much as I loved almost everything about the OnePlus 7 Pro over the Pixel 3a, the shape and the size of the 3a, in contrast, just really exaggerated how large the 7 Pro was.
0: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of, a good segue to the next topic is I want to actually pitch this to David. The, I want to write a story on how the, the Nubia Red Magic 3 isn't just a gaming phone, but it's actually what OnePlus used to be. Because <laughs> if you think about it, you're getting a phone that's, my, by the way, even bigger in size, I know this is like the thing that I can't handle about it, but you're getting a Snapdragon eight fifty five and that forty eight megapixel Sony IMX five eight six module, which everybody loves, with a relatively decent one point seven aperture, and you're getting you know even a headphone jack in um, a phone with ninety hertz refresh, even though it's not quad HD, that costs four seventy nine. It is a great. So at this point, you yeah. have to ask yourself: Do I buy that, or do I import a OnePlus Seven non Pro? because the OnePlus 7 non-pro, yeah, sure, it's got a second camera on the back, but it doesn't have the 90-hertz display. And um, yeah, and, and this is a pretty stock Android phone, the Magic 3. And it's got, the only thing that I can think of is is kind of, it's, it's kind of ugly because it's a gaming phone, right? And it's big because it's a 6.65-inch display with top and bottom bezels where the speakers are. Basically, think of the Pixel 2 XL type, design you know Mm -hmm. and what we're seeing in the leaks of the pixel 4 look like you know Mm -hmm. top and bottom bezel um with a screen in the middle and this screen is so massive that if you put this red magic 3 side by side with the oneplus 7 pro it is actually taller by about oh i don't know i want to say a half inch or quarter inch
1: yeah about a half inch it's
0: the same width same thickness but about taller by a half inch so (laughs) holy crap right um but that's my point. That's kind of why I want to pitch this to David, because I think like, remember when OnePlus, you know, we used to look at it and go like, yeah, like you're getting you're getting 90% or whatever of 95% of the Galaxy experience or For or half whatever, the price, yeah. For half the price. And this is kind of there, almost there. It's like you're getting, you know, 90, honestly, you're getting like 85 to 90% of a OnePlus 7 Pro experience. Uh, with uh, a price point that's let's see, four seventy nine to six hundred and seventy, right? That's the difference, the two hundred, almost two hundred dollar difference. Yeah. And so, look, if you if you're a gamer, this phone might make sense. I don't think gaming phones make sense, period. That's my that's my opinion. But if you are a gamer and that's what you're looking for, you want the shoulder buttons. You really want to crank. Like it has got a big battery too, five thousand milliamp power. If you want to crank the performance to max and turn on that fan on max speed while you're playing games. Good for you, but I'm looking at the reason I got a review in it, and and I will have an unboxing video in my in my sh- just show notes. Um, is that I wanted to try it out as a regular phone <laughs> with that premise of like could could this be the new OnePlus? Could this be to OnePlus what OnePlus was t- or is to the rest of the world? So, what are your thoughts from what you've seen so far of that phone?
1: Well, yeah, admittedly, I haven't, I don't have one, I haven't played with one. Um, my only concern, based on what you've described, would be. Uh the software in a different way? I know you say it's stock- stock-like. Yeah, updates, yeah. exactly. Updates yeah. would be my concern um, because that is probably the best other, the best secondary software aspect of OnePlus ownership. How many updates has the OnePlus 7 Pro gotten in the last month? I think it's like four now.
0: Four, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's, that's insane. That is nuts. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. Google is, well, you're lucky to get the full one a month with Google. I think the Pixel 3a went uh, after launch Got it launched out of date by two or three months when it came to security patches, and then it took another month to catch up. So OnePlus is really like
0: kind of pushing agree. the envelope. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the difference, though, is that what we're looking at here is, you know, the uh, OnePlus 7 Pro, I think we're getting all these updates because of customer feedback. It's kind of the honeymoon phase of updates, right? I don't think we're going to see that many updates in six months. But at the same time, you're right that there's absolutely a do-down in my mind that the Red Magic 3 is not going to see the same amount of updates as the OnePlus 7 Pro.
1: Because OnePlus is committed to, I think, bi monthly security updates, which is, I mean, that's good enough. You're lucky if you're with another OEM to get quarterly updates, and if you have Samsung, like two a year is a big deal. If you have the unlocked version of the phone, right? But for sure, yeah. I think I think that that's probably going to end up being a problem with uh, Nubia phones generally and the Red Magic three specifically. But time will tell, I guess. I don't know. I, I haven't had any of the company's previous phones, so I don't know what it's like when it does do updates, how frequently, what kind of schedule.
0: Yeah. Look, I think the thing is, is here's the thing about this phone that reassures me on updates, is that it is a Snapdragon 855, essentially reference design, other than the fan. And so you're potentially going to be able to put third-party ROMs on this, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming the bootloader is unlocked, which I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was unlockable. Um, and so the end result is you're getting a phone that potentially could evolve in in the same way as Poco was really impressive for its price point, you know mm-hmm. this thing I think is really impressive for its price point, and more importantly, you can't you don't have to go to China to get it, and it doesn't have weird wacky annoying China software like I'm about to talk about with the next topic. <laughs> but it's like that's kind of what I, my angle is on this is I wanna I wanna take it for and also that IMX. Uh, 586 48 megapixel sensor even though the, and honestly so far the camera uh software that they provide is pretty decent i mean the camera experience is poor it's not the best it's probably just the, qualcomm's the, binaries yeah the results are nice um so what i'm thinking is once the pixel camera gets it's like the moto z4 i reviewed last week once the pixel camera gets ported to that since it's a, essentially a standard pixel chipset the 855 is going to be on the Pixel four mm-hmm. and the uh, snapdragon 670 uh, five in the case of the Moto Z four is very close to the snapdragon 670 of the uh, of the pixel three a right so mm-hmm. these are potentially phones that are going to be it will, it will very soon see ports of the pixel camera mm-hmm. and and then what right because then you have uh, a great camera module supported by uh, a great camera app on a on a supported chipset and i think and the display is beautiful it's 90 hertz you can feel the smoothness of that display just like you do on the uh, on the uh, on the OnePlus 7 Pro plus you know the other phone that has a 90 hertz display that's also not quad hd is the Asus ROG phone, but the ROG phone is Snapdragon 845. It's like you know, almost a year old now. It's it was yeah. announced a year ago at Computex. So so my point is that this this is why the Red Magic 3 is to me way more exciting than the Red Magic Mars was. And I am going, it's super big. And the fan is really silly. Although you don't hear it when you just use the phone normally. It's only in game mode that you can control it, really. And then you can crank it to be max on the time. And it's very faint, even on max speed. But you can feel the airflow through there, for sure. It's very interesting. And so the only negatives so far that I've found with that phone, other than the fact that it doesn't have multiple cameras. But again, a lot of good phones don't have multiple cameras, including the Pixel 3s. Mm-hmm. uh is that it has no NFC. So you cannot do Android Pay with it. Um, it does have a headphone jack, though. It doesn't have microSD expansion. So whatever version you buy, you'll get the storage you get. It goes up to 256 gigs and 10 gigs of RAM. The one I have is 8 gigs, 128. There's a 6 gig, 64. I don't recommend you get the 6 gig, 64 because 479 is the price of the 8 gig, 128 in the US. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, uh, the size. I mean, NFC and the size are the biggest issues.
1: Uh, yeah. The rest is all. I think there's also no IP rating, right? Because it has the fan. Well,
0: but so, you know, like the us Moto Z4 doesn't have an IP rating, has a nano coating. We know the OnePlus 7 Pro is pretty. Is pretty watertight from the tests we've seen, but it's again not officially rated. Yeah, but this yes. is like
1: explicitly there, there's a hole I that mean, goes you inside. Don't, yeah, you don't want to
0: <laughs> definitely don't want to dunk this yeah. one at all. But at the same time, you know, uh, if you get it wet, I bet you on an area where it doesn't have the fan, like just briefly, I don't think you're going to have to. Oh, worry yeah, about yeah. It, you know, I mean, you get a put water in droplet in it, on the screen. It's put fine. Put it in but. a case, and I think you'll probably be okay unless the water or the liquid falls right in the inlet while you're playing a game and it's running, you know. <laughs> Pulling all that goo in there. Oh, God, what a mess. But for 479, you just go buy another one.
1: That's kind of how I feel about a lot a lot of phones. I know that we're in a privileged position because I know you know, we are. we're tech bloggers and we get stuff all the time and we're constantly rotating through phones. There's like piles of them everywhere, like building materials. And that's perhaps slightly off topic. That's why I love the Pixel 3a so much is because it's almost perfect and it's so cheap I don't care what happens to it
0: yeah the other thing you get on the uh red magic three which i like is dual front facing and front firing speakers, and they sound okay i mean they're not like super great, but they're i would say a pretty competitive like as probably as good as one plus seven pro which as you as we know doesn't have the best uh stereo speaker set, but they're certainly better than any one plus before it um and so look overall i'm i don't like the aesthetics of it i think it's too big of a phone I wish it had n f c but for four seventy nine you sounds getting, like a good deal, yeah holy crap, eight gigs of ram Snapdragon eight fifty five uh IMX 486 uh, with a pretty decent F1.7. But
1: a lot of of hopes kind of ride on uh, developer support. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be forthcoming. You're not going to get GCAM ports or ROMs if there's no unlockable bootloader and developers aren't buying and using these devices. And I doubt Nubia is sending them to developers to try to seed support like Asus started doing, yeah.
0: You're right, I don't think they are, but at the same time, to be frank, uh, I mean, you know, we're looking at a phone that uh, you might not need to root to get the GCAM love, you know?
1: Well, you won't need to root, but the developers that do those sort of ports aren't They're not going to go out and buy this phone just to put GCAM on it. They got to have a reason (laughs) to. It's the same sort of folks that that do root and ROM. You know, the thing is,
0: the thing about the GCAM ports is there's so many of them that just need to be, that exist already, that just need some tweaking, right? And you know, there are settings that you can configure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. uh, By editing some files to tweak these things. So I can just imagine some. Kid that reads Reddit that has better nothing better to do with their time buys this phone because it's the price they want. Although they're a gamer, they like the form factor, and they're like, "I'm going to make the Jeep Cam work on this, you know, and I'll persist until it works." And I don't think that's impossible, and I actually think it's very likely. I wouldn't be surprised Maybe. if that phone does get some popularity amongst the the kind of like not developers but kind of like ROM people, simply because of the price point and the potential. As I said, like. This is a pretty much a reference design, Snapdragon 855 for 479 so- I think
1: that I think that there's a lot of competition in that space, though, and that is, that is my other concern, because we have, uh, like we were just discussing, Asus is seeding out its Zenfone 6 to developers, and it's, it occupies the same price point, and a lot of the developer types are interested in it. Arnova, in fact, uh, one of the most well-known GCAM uh, developers, was given a, uh, a Zenfone 6 by Asus, and he's already released and continues to work on GCAM ports for the device. So there is a bit of a chicken mm, and the egg issue yeah. especially in the face of the competition posed by OnePlus and Asus.
0: Definitely. You're right about that. I'm still I I have reached out to uh Randall over at Asus and I'm still waiting for my ZenFone 6 review unit. So I'm definitely you're right there's definitely that phone exists. What's the price on that phone again?
1: Oh. I think like 4 or high 400s or low 500s? So uh, I think five, it's a
0: four, 499 or 529. I might be
1: wrong. Might be wrong. You don't want yeah, me to don't type worry. because I have a live keyboard so I can't it's check. It's
0: okay. I I I don't we don't really care. The yeah. people can look it up. That's why they pause the podcast and go, "Oh, let's check that out." Tk Tk. Ah, I always think of a Tk Tk as taking on the keyboard. Um but anyway, uh yeah, so I think look, I think overall I'm impressed. Uh It sounds like the price and what you get for the package but you're right the Zenfone 6 exists and it's available in the US it's interesting though that they're you know these phones both have 5000 milliamp hour and Snapdragon 855 and some kind of interesting trick you know in the case of the the, the the red magic 3 is definitely like this gaming thing with the fan in the case of the zenphone 6 it's the trick camera module that yeah. you know, pivots and all that so it, we live in an exciting time and a I'm, return of exciting times
1: it's yeah. like 2012 2013 all over again everyone's experimenting it's great
0: i love it i'm looking forward to getting my asus zenphone 6 review unit uh, if you're listening uh, randall hello Hook me up. Okay. So uh the next thing kind of that I landed on my on my desk this week, which is kind of old news but kind of interesting is the Xiaomi Mi Mix 3. I finally have a review in it. If you're listening uh and you want me to be, try some stuff out, ping me on Twitter, ask me your questions. The reality is it's a great piece of hardware like all Xiaomi devices or most Xiaomi devices completely destroyed by a horrific software experience called MIUI. And I I I'd really think like, you know, of all the Chinese phone manufacturers that have heavy skins in China and somehow end up putting these heavy skins on their global versions, uh, xiaomi is going to be the worst offender at this point. I mean, even even a Vivo or an a Mo- or Oppo phone is is a better experience than this. This is such a nightmare. I cannot believe it exists at this point.
1: So I think I am the only person in the entire world, or at least who writes about Android on a U.S. blog, that isn't that bothered by MIUI. I think it's I think it's junk. I think that it's like garbage compared to any stock ROM or even Samsung's One UI. But I think it's usable. It's fine. I use the phone as my only phone on uh, but some, a week somehow and a half phone the is a
0: better experience to me than the Mi Mix 3. I don't know what they did to the Mi Mix 3, but it's just like, it really feels Xiaomi, Xiaomi. Whereas the phone is like, feels Xiaomi light. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. It's, it's, I haven't
1: used the Mi Mix 3 so I can't speak to that.
0: To me, the last Mi Mix, the, Mi, the last Xiaomi phone I used was the Mi Mix 2, non, not the 2S. And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't feel like there's any difference. Yes, I'm running Android P on this thing, but I couldn't, I wouldn't know. It just feels like the same like, heavy-handed. Oh, it's, oh, it's definitely slow. heavy-handed. It's slow, it's heavy-handed. My notifications only work half the time where nobody knows why. Somebody even wrote a notification repeater app that you can install, specifically the Mi Mix 3, so you can get all your notifications in a timely manner. It basically intercepts the notifications and force displays them on the on the status bar.
1: I bet it's like it's super just, aggressive doze, and it's pushing apps out of memory before they can even spit notifications.
0: It's just a nightmare. I mean, yeah. I love the hardware, but I'm just like, especially now that it's no longer very fresh as a device. I mean, there's a 5G version of it with Snapdragon 855 that got announced since then. So I'm just like kind of feeling like, <sighs> I wanted to get excited by this one because I like the slider. The slider really feels great. Like you can slide all day, click, 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 click. And it makes that stupid sound. You, I finally turned it off, but it's like this this weird futuristic Star Trek, you know, computer sound, you know, <laughs> when you slide it up and when you slide it back down, like bleep, 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 bleep. And And I'm just like, Uh, I love all this. I love the hardware. I love the form factor, but why can't this run something less evil? Yeah. Like it's just, and so I'm, you know, interestingly, when I was looking at Android police for, uh, some related stories you might have written, I found a story by Jules Wang, uh, about the, uh, the, um, the Android Q, uh, Coming to me, you Of course, it is. But this is more details about which phones are getting it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'll I'll put all this in the show description, the show notes, along with my you know One Almond unboxing and your story on the the upcoming OnePlus Plus Seven Pro feature, and my Red Magic unboxing, and also my <laughs> Mi Mix Three unboxing. So you can have a look at these phones. Those of you who haven't seen them, uh, I mean, look, I want Xiaomi to come to the US. I want them to. Amen. They're make, You know, I want them here. I want competition. I want choice, but I, they need to do, they need to change their software. This is not going to fly in the U.S. at
1: all. This oh, is if, they, be, if they come here, they absolutely will have to change their software. That won't work. Yeah.
0: You know, and I mean, like Vivo, I feel kind of the same, but Oppo, I think half the time they can kind of get away with what they have. It's It feels like Huawei did two years ago,
1: you know? Huawei was barely able to sneak by with its changes, in my opinion. I think that Huawei's ROM is every bit as bad as MIUI. I think it's just as bad, which means it's It's also just as good. Because
0: I feel it much less. um, It feels like the the with the Xiaomi when I use it, I feel like I'm walking in mud. You know, (laughs) like I'm constantly at friction all the time. Whereas when I'm using uh, any Huawei or or Honor phone, um, I feel that I'm seeing mud, but I can walk, I can run through it really quickly. Everything is fast.
1: I think I'm saying. Well, that's because I love Huawei silicon. Oh, it's so fast.
0: And it's so integrated. And, yeah. and so what I'm saying is it's nice. It's, it's fine if you have weird customizations in your new UI and your weird behaviors. Uh, as long as you can kind of get around them quickly by jumping around like super, I uh, have super agility, right? And on Xiaomi, you don't have that. You just literally feel bogged down. Like half the time, I just feel like, remember how TouchWiz used to be? You wanted to throw your phone at the wall. It was slowing yeah. down so much. That's exactly what Xiaomi's uh, UI feels like to me. I think
1: it's probably a fair criticism.
0: Anyway, so Mi Mix 3, interesting phone, uh, you know, but wow, I forgot how bad the software could be, um, especially because I've been playing with phones with such good software lately. That's the other thing, right? You know, Huawei's P-Series, uh, all the Pixels, all the OnePluses, all, even Moto Z4, great software. Um, and, and, you know even the red magic three has a very lightweight non-skinned version of Android, unless you put it in, it's like game mode. It says a lot slider on the side, puts it in game mode and like UI changes. And then, but you're like, then you're kind of like in a game carousel type UI. So who cares yeah. about that? All right. So we got some leaks and rumors, obviously, cause that's the season, right? Yeah. People are bored. It's like, it's summer. Let's, uh, let's see what's happening. So, we're all very excited about the Pixel 4, especially after last week's Google bomb. Right? Yeah. It's like, hi, here's the Pixel 4. Okay.
1: Wow. All right.
0: So what's your take basically on, on this on so far what we know of the Pixel 4?
1: Um, I mean, I think we don't know enough really to come to any judgment about anything except the company's newfound marketing focus. I think it's good that they were willing to um, talk about it publicly since everyone else already was. I know PR usually has this thing where it's, you know, strictly no comment until it's official, and they have a precisely ordered and structured series of events that they want to occur before they'll even talk about the phone. And I love that they were willing to totally just throw all of that away, because it's useless, it's pointless, it's bullshit. Well, exactly.
0: Remember last year when the Pixel 3 was announced? It's like, yeah, we know everything already. Can we get over this event now? Can we get our phones to review? Thank you.
1: Exactly. It becomes monotonous, the fact that they're still trying to turn it into a spectacle when the novelty is already lost. So I love that they're willing to embrace the fact that the name and the photos had already leaked, and they even provided their own, which is better, and it means that news cycles won't be using slightly garbage renders, they'll be using Google's official render, So not only are they sort of directing the narrative and pulling out this positive opinion from all of us tech bloggers, but they're also making sure that, you know, we're using photos that portray it in the best possible light.
0: Yeah, uh, so what So what do you think uh, other than the marketing of what we know so far of the Pixel 4? I, first of all, uh, do you think that this reveal by Google means that they're gonna launch sooner?
1: no but i want them to normal
0: i i saw your article about that i want them to as well i think that there's Um, plenty
1: of reasons for them to move the date forward and i think that keeping it as late in the year as they do is in every measurable way to their uh detriment but i think that uh, we've already seen leaks from uh, verizon's internal documents that show it's going to have the same release in october like it does every year and it's just too bad because it's going to be too late it's going to sell too poorly it'll be the last uh Phone Snapdragon of that Snapdragon 855
0: chip, yeah. phone, yeah. exactly.
1: And we'll be, we'll be getting the Galaxy S11 with the new Snapdragon chip, and who knows what new features the new chip delivers in two months. And Google's going to do the same thing, where it doesn't sell for a month because it's a bad time to release a phone because yeah. they're going up against Black Friday sales in just a month. That they'll do a hundred or hundred and fifty dollar off promotion a month later, so everyone knows now. Don't buy it at launch. Wait for this promotion. In every regard, it's pointless for them to be releasing it that late in the year. They should be doing this in summer.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, it means people can buy Pixel phones at Black Friday at a good deal, and they're good phones. And at that timing, it's not a bad deal to, to buy one at that point. Eh, yeah, if I mean, you're, if you're like, if you want the latest software and everything, you know, you know, you're still going to have to go to Pixel to get the latest software. So,
1: and you know, you're going to get the the laundry list of Pixel bugs. That's the <sighs> of other course, issue yeah, is that there's true. always these launch issues, and this and is it never will have going six away.
0: Gigs of RAM by yeah. the time everybody else has like 15, 16, 29 gigs of RAM. I know, it's supposed to be multiples of twos, guys. I get it. 16, okay, 16. Um, who knows? This is, I can, I'm counting that there'll be a 16 gigabyte phone sometime by the end of 2019. It's gonna happen.
1: You're probably right.
0: Um, but maybe a 14 first. it's a weird number, though. 12, uh, it makes sense somewhat. 15 but... and a half. No, no, Ryan, no. Sorry, sorry to disappoint. Uh, but yeah, look, I feel the same way. And my biggest gripe so far from everything I'm seeing is... You know, I, we've talked about this in the podcast at length, where my feeling is that um, Google is always dropping the ball on the hardware uh, in terms of premiumness, in terms of features, in terms of uh, um, parity with the competition. I would agree. For example, the Pixel 3 XL, they put a notch. It's the ugliest notch in the planet. Uh, you, you'd be better off, which I seem to have learned, to do what the Pixel 4 is going to do, the XL, which is going to have basically a top and bottom bezel with a whole bunch of sensors in the top. At least it doesn't look goofy, even if it doesn't It doesn't look very modern when every phone at that point... I mean, the Galaxy yeah. Note 10, we're going to talk about that in a second, but the Galaxy Note 10 screen looks like the most amount of screen you can get with uh, there's still some sort of hole for a camera in the screen Uh I think, possibly of anything we've ever seen. Because remember, phones like the OnePlus 7 Pro and even the Mi Mix 3 that you know basically have no camera in the, in the display part and have very little bezels, their bezels are still not that small. But what we're seeing from the Note 10 rumors are like incredibly small bezels. So my point is that it'll look dated when it launches the Pixel 4. Uh, because of the hardware they're putting on the top strip, yeah. because of the front firing speakers, which I love, but I feel like somebody's going to find a better way. But if you go back to the 3XL when it was launched, it had that ugly notch, I had four gigs of RAM, which we all knew at the time was like, are you crazy? Right? Like, yeah. we all said that. We're like, like six, give us six. And now they're going to have a six when we really want eight. Uh, you're going to say that doesn't make a huge difference, but I think... I, th- I think four versus six makes a difference if you're multitasking. I think six
1: to eight is the good is a good sweet spot now. Correct. I think more than eight is really you, it's, you start it's getting into superfluous yeah, territory. It's, but it's, six it's to eight disc, is really necessary. Yeah.
0: More than eight is ram disk territory. Yeah. Which can be a nice thing. And then uh, the other thing is you know the camera, the single camera. I mean, it's a great single camera, but it doesn't do wide angles. It doesn't do telephoto. And when we see what the competition has done with you know. Uh, oppo and 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 Huawei, uh, you're like okay, and even Samsung, you know,
1: it's about just having their, the flexibility a crappy if you need
0: telephoto it. sensor that's like 500 years old now. Like, it's like, come on, come on, like, and now they're they're showing two cameras. We want three. Google, we've been so clear about this. Yeah, like, which part of this can't you understand? We want to see your computational chops on three focal lenses: ultra wide, wide, regular, and tele. And tell it, if you're going to tell it, go, to, go at least 3X, okay? Like, we don't want 2X anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think with that a pixel
0: keep... sensor, you can do 2X just fine. I mean, whatever.
1: Yeah, I think they're probably going to keep... Uh... So I'm, I'm betting that they're going to do the same sort of resolution bump on the primary sensor that we're seeing everybody do with these... They've uh... got to
0: do an IMX586. Exactly. IMX. I
1: think that's what they're going to do. So I think they're going to combine... Um, and this is pure speculation on my part. I have absolutely no proof whatsoever that this is going to happen. But I'm betting that they're going to use, uh, you know, that uh, super zoom mode yeah, that they have exactly. right now, which yeah. does a pretty good job. I bet they're going to combine I'm that. With a
0: large size array, it's going to work out okay, except in yeah. the light, yeah. because yeah. all the advantages yeah. of binning pixels in the lights are going to go away.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, well, I'm betting that they might try to, like, reconstruct, I'm betting that they're going to crop the sensor and combine it with the super zoom to try to equate a, uh, a, a high focal length lens like they're doing currently with the super zoom they'll just have a much bigger sensor and crop down
0: absolutely and yeah. and you know you're right computational photography can bring you bring, bring, bring your some of, chunk the of the detail back yeah. yeah and and i think the other thing they might do is they might use the ultra wide angle if it's a good sensor to gather some of the other data that they need to combine with it they could one. do
1: multi frame with it for sure it just have a very small usable area for the telephoto
0: Correct. Yeah. At least get some more light data out of it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I really hope it's an ultra wide and a regular wide. That's what I'm. That's um, what I'm expecting personally. If it's not, oh my god, ugh, I'm gonna be annoyed. I hate the um,
1: camera bump too. I think it's stupid.
0: Yeah, I don't mind the design. I, I kind of always liked the the uh, Huawei Mate 20 Pro design, and and I think shifted to the left is interesting. Of course, it's not going to rest flat on a surface because it's a bump. That's another issue,
1: but whatever. I kind of prefer OnePlus's design in a line down the back. I think that that's much more visually appealing.
0: Yeah, look, I mean... I like squarish designs, so I like the square, but I think it's a matter of taste. Ultimately, I'm not going to dock them on taste unless it doesn't feel premium, which unfortunately, even without a case, the Pixel 3 and 3XL just don't feel as premium as a OnePlus or an iPhone or Samsung. I don't know how to explain this to folks that if you haven't touched all these phones, it's really hard to explain because in a vacuum... The Pixel Three and Three XL are nice. They feel good, but they don't but feel you, like a
1: thousand dollar phone. But
0: they, you just look at the detail and you're like, ah, for the price, guys, you should have done better. And you feel you that look power at button one,
1: and you're like, this is plastic on a thousand dollar phone.
0: And and you look at you look at the you know the One Plus and you're like, oh yeah, like yeah. they don't co- they cost six seventy and like this is a miles better, right? So we'll see. But the reality is that I'm excited. You know, I'm a primarily a Pixel user, for better or for worse. I think I'm a bit Stockholm Syndrome after all these years of being a Nexus and Pixel user. <laughs> the but software I feel
1: like is addictive. You just, the features the are so and good. The, and now the camera too, yeah. you
0: know. If I want to just smash the camera button, I still get the really the best results out of my Pixel 3 XL or 3A.
1: You can just Um, point, shoot, and forget. You don't have to play with a single thing. And yes, I
0: have way more fun with the OnePlus or the Galaxy or even better the P30 Pro than I have with the others. But hey. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's talk about the Note 10 rumors because, oh, I forgot. So the Pixel 4, the latest Pixel 4 leak is screen sizes, exact screen sizes and dimensions that have been leaked. uh, Yeah on uh the link i've got in the show notes you'll see it's from uh bgr from bgr but I, I i mean take that with a grain of salt but at least it gives us an idea of what we're looking at in terms of bezels which is kind of cool uh so the the note 10 that's the other phone the the big rumor is that uh th- that there might be an event on august 7th uh the unpacked as samsung likes to call that august 7th might be the event in in new york city the date so uh I haven't received an invite, uh, y- you know, uh, so I can say that. <laughs> uh, maybe some people have. I don't know. You but know, the they send is,
1: them later in the year.
0: You know, I do, and so I will be there. I, I will. I will fly out to New York for this. Um, I have in the and past. And I'll see you there. I get yes, there. I have yeah. in the past not done it because they wouldn't put me up. But I feel that Samsung. Uh it's basically if you want to review in it you pretty much have to show up at the event so I'm I'm going to uh shell the, the money to do that and plus also to get you the coverage I'm a big fan of the Note even though I'm not a stylus user at all I always feel that the Note is like my favorite uh, Galaxy phone of the year so Uh, I want to be there, and uh, so now expect something to happen early August. And then finally, there's another story on T3 of all places. Again, I'd take that with a grain of salt. I think it's mostly a a story related to screen protectors uh, that have leaked, and it shows very small bezels and very high curve radii on the edges of that phone. So... That is not a good thing. I don't like these curved phones myself. But I am, ag- It's going to give me less bezel. It's like, oh, yeah. damn.
1: I, again, I feel like I'm the only person in the world who really loves the this, the curved edges. Did you ever play with the uh, Note 8 Sirocco? Never did. So the edge was you like... You
0: Nokia 8 Sirocco?
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry. The Nokia 8 Sirocco, you're right. Um, <laughs> what did I say? It's a Samsung now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh
0: I, I just played with it at MWC. I never had a review in it.
1: Uh, that's all I did. I never had a review and I only played with it. And the edges were so like, the curve was so large that the edge felt like a knife. And I, I loved it. I, I, I thought it was great. But I know that uh, for a lot of people, especially if they're going to use it caseless, it's going to mean a ton of accidental touches on the side. But I really I enjoy it as like a physical design. The curved edges, like on the 7 Pro, I, I love it there as well. But I feel like I'm alone.
0: I look. I don't. I. I'm not against. I'm not. I'm not going to not buy a phone because it has that design at all. Like that's never going to be an issue. I like the fact that it gives me really thin bezels and makes the phone look like an, a sea of screen.
1: And it fits better in your hand.
0: It does fit well in your hand. I'm. I don't really have issues with accidental touches. But I feel like um, the P30, for example, non-pro is my favorite right now in terms of bezel to screen ratio on a screen that. Itself, the screen isn't curved, but the glass is curved. It's hard to explain, but no, I know what you mean. At the edges, they start curving the glass a little bit, right where the screen that's flat underneath ends. Yeah, and it is incredible because the bezels are th- they look so thin still. Yet you don't have any of the ac- any of the drawbacks that come with that curved display of the the light, the the weird color shift, and the the accidental presses and. And you still have that nice kind of sharp, smooth-ish edge thing that you like so much from the Shirocco. So I don't know. I think I think there's gotta be a better way. Um I'm sure there is. We'll see how it goes. You know what? Remember there was a phone on Sprint, a sharp phone a while back, I can't remember what it was called, Aquos, that was uh bezeless in three directions and yeah. had a big bezel at the I bottom. I do remember that and I can't remember. It was a mid-range either. phone, yeah. but I what I liked about it is that to hide its bezels, it had a a diamond cut. Uh, glass edge yeah so the edge was like the screen was flat and then there was like a diamond cut in the
1: glass and it had like this corners. prismatic effect along Correct. the edge yeah and,
0: and it made it look like literally the display was never ending and then suddenly it ended and there was no you couldn't see the edge of the phone at all yeah and I th- it was all optical illusion but it was really well done and i want us to get to that stage without necessarily having you sharp edges and of course compromising the integrity of the phone but we're getting closer every um, day yeah so we'll see but i mean it's again this is like people are saying on yeah, phones is no innovation it's like if you start looking at the details folks is where you see that people are trying things out and there's there is a lot going on there it's just you know if you if you it's like you know if you're a car nut you notice the details if you're not a car nut it's an appliance that takes you from a to b I think the reason people find that the phones are no longer exciting is because they are so commonplace now and everybody has one that they're considered to be a tool on an appliance that everybody just has and they don't care and they never even look at their phone. Like if you ask them a year after they, well, even like a month after they swapped to a new phone, hey, do you remember where the where the placement was on your power button on your previous phone? They won't even remember. Yeah. I
1: think that part you know what of I'm the saying? Complaint- They've
0: never even looked at their phone without a case on it. Yeah. By the time they sell it. So we're, you know, this is why we're on the show. This is why this podcast exists, because we're freaking phone freaks. Like, we (laughs) are mobile tech people. We are concerned with these small details.
1: It's true. That's like half my job is writing about those small details. That's
0: all we do. It's kind of crazy.
1: But I do think that part of that argument about phones feeling boring, I think it's a little... That was more of an argument last year and the year before when we were just Oh yeah, there was a, a lull territory. for, a while, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because there was yeah. definitely a lull in industrial design when it was like, all right, bezels are a little bit smaller, cameras are a little better. But we didn't have the... Uh, right now, there's this huge pressure to make an all-screen phone. And because of this this consumer interest in the idea, we're, we're seeing pressure to put more sensors under the display, eventually to move the camera itself beneath the display. And it's driving innovation in a way that a lot of things haven't up until now. That's why we're seeing these crazy flipping mechanisms and pop-out uh, cameras and all these crazy ways of doing things. It's great. It's experimental. It's new. But it's, it's only because we have this newfound pressure to make an all-screen phone, and who will be the first to actually do it without uh, a pop-out screen or a flip-out uh, camera or something like that? So I, th- I do think that things were boring for a little while. I will, I will freely admit that, but they are not now.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of not boring, uh, we'll obviously keep you posted on more uh, Note and Pixel rumors. I think it's going to be all summer until the Note launches and definitely all summer until the Pixel launches in the fall. But uh, speaking of odd form factors and weird little things, little things, the Palm phone, the tiny little Palm phone is finally available unlocked. Uh, I'm so that excited. Is, As of yesterday morning, I have one here. It's obviously the Verizon version, but I have found a way. I made a video on my channel way back about how you can actually pop the SIM and... Pretty much once it's been activated on Verizon, you can use it with any SIM as long as you replace the text messaging app, uh, remove the stupid Verizon messages thing. Um, and it's fine. It works. Um, it's not always perfectly optimized for all the bands if you're traveling abroad and stuff. But yeah, for the US, it works. The trick is that the SIM slot doesn't open like a normal SIM slot. You don't push into the little hole. First of all, the little hole is very little. So you have to use something really thin, like half a millimeter, which if you know is 0.5 millimeters, which is basically... Uh, what the tip of a automatic pencil is—that's uh, the size you need. Uh, and you—you you can't push; you have to pull. So you have to find a way to hook into that hole and pull out. <laughs> now I'm not sure if the unlocked version has a different mechanism for the SIM. Oh, I'm sure uh, it has to. But the Verizon uh, does. It might not. They might just have a SIM tool that's appropriately designed for it because I don't see them tooling again just for that. You know, maybe they're not a big company, uh, even though they help help from TCL. So. Uh, I mean, look, I like the little Palm. I just wish it had a bigger battery and a slightly better camera and, I and you know, dedicated volume buttons. These are the three things that I felt at the time made it difficult to use because I never used it as a companion device. I immediately, like, basically, after I set, I set it up, I, I removed the Verizon SIM and used it as another SIM as a standalone phone just to see because that was the experiment I wanted to try. Like, is it a viable standalone phone, you know? So Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I have this unhealthy addiction to tiny electronics i spend way too much money on small form factor computers on tiny phones like i i i really love tiny electronics that is my jam that is my thing and i really want a palm phone so bad oh my god
0: tiny is sexy um well, you know, maybe you can get one from PR and, uh, do a story for, uh, for Android police about it.
1: We're, we're, we're planning that already. We've, we've asked them and I'm going to use it for as, as the Ryan at Android police meme goes, I'll end up using it for like a week as my only phone. Uh, um, and we'll see how that, uh, how that goes.
0: Don't forget to keep a USB battery pack nearby. I know. 900 milliamp hour battery.
1: Well, I mean, this won't be the first tiny Android phone that I've used exclusively. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Unihertz Jelly Pro.
0: Oh, yeah, the Unihertz, Yeah. Oh,
1: I yes. love it! So I used that yeah. exclusively for a week, and it was a great How time. How did that go? I loved it. It's a great phone. Okay, I mean, you really... yes, the, so it's an objectively bad phone, and it was a compromised experience, but I I had a great time.
0: <laughs> it was fun, right, for a while. Yeah, no, I felt the Look, and the palm is beautiful. It's it's premium. It's like glass sandwich, metal frame, uh as I said, a slightly better camera. Uh, mostly, it's the processor that lets the camera down. I think it's the Snapdragon 435 or something.
1: The thing that and has me the most worried is the navigation. The single button for that.
0: The Sony's you no. Know, I've got I've got it set to show the 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 normal the normal menu okay. buttons. So you can do that. It's just you lose real estate. So the th- the thing in the display is an IPS, but it's a gorgeous display. It has super dark, and deep blacks. It feels like an OLED, and it um is super high DPI because even though it's only uh you know seven twenty p seven twenty p it's on a it's a three point five inch display so at that it's like like four hundred seventy like DPI it's insane yeah it's really high so it looks fab. Um, again, that's my only criticism of the battery life and the camera could be a little better. And the the fact that you don't have any like there's no headphone jack, but you can listen through the USB port with uh, a digital dongle, or you can use a Bluetooth. But then you have no volume e- easily accessible, which you know if you have it on your headphones, great. But if you don't, it's a real pain because you have to go in the you know status settings, tray, like yeah, the or, top tray, yeah. and and you, you, like where the where the brightness slider is is also the volume slider. Mm. But it's a real pain to use. So. But yeah, I like Palm. They're a local company here in San Francisco. I know some of the founders, they're good people. They work really hard. Their idea, you know, the idea seems pretty stupid to a lot of people, but I think there's room for this phone in the world. And for some people, that's all they really need. It could just it's just not it wasn't really optimized to be a standalone phone, so they're taking a big gamble with this unlocked version to see if it'll be more optimized in terms of performance. Uh, both for battery life and for speed, it was a bit of a slow phone. Uh, It could have also been all the Verizon crud, you know, so I don't know.
1: So I have a question, uh, since you know more about the Palm phone and the Palm company than I do. I had been told and, or perhaps I guess just assumed, that this phone was just TCL, that Palm had nothing to do with it. So is is Palm, the company, actually working on this phone? Because I thought it was just licensed out.
0: Um, I'm not exactly sure the details. All I know is that the two founders that you you can look up their names. Uh I I had one of them, I can't remember the names, but one of them is an ex Samsung guy, and I met him back in the Samsung days. They're both designers, and they basically designed the phone and came up with the concept, and they got um that athlete involved whose name completely escapes me right now as the marketing the visual person behind the company. What's his
1: name? I, I don't sport I don't do sports.
0: They got him on board, which got the attention of a lot of people. And, and he's an investor as well, that, that athlete. So, um, but yeah, TCL is the manufacturer and actually designed the, the hardware in terms of like the engineering of it. But the, the industrial design and the, the software experience and the launcher, which is really well done, I think, for a small phone and the keyboard, which is also optimized for a small screen. You'll see you won't want to put the Android, uh, the Google keyboard on this. You'll want to put. The uh, keep their keyboard because it's really well done. Okay, um, is is all from these two designers, and um, you know they when they, they were looking for a partner to manufacture this phone. That's when the TCL partnership came about, and and that's when the Palm brand came about. Because TCL owns the Palm brand, right? Mm-hmm. So so TCL was basically looking to use that Palm brand for something. These guys came up with this idea, pitched it to TCL, and TCL said, "Oh, we have the perfect brand for this Palm." So. Palm the company it kind of got the brand as a license from from TCL. Okay. And and but it's it's a company and it's their own thing it's their own design even though they didn't engineering wise design it. You yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: Okay. All right, that makes sense.
0: That's my understanding. And oh, Steve Curry is the athlete. That's right. <laughs> Sorry guys. I know like there's a lot of people on the show, who probably sports people are going, "Miriam, seriously." And I'm like, "Folks, I'm not a, you know, sports ball's not my thing, okay?" I'm one of those people, so bear with me here. Yeah, so Steve Curry and then these guys, I can't remember their names. The two founders are pretty awesome. Um, so, I look, I have a lot of love for Palm, uh, for the company that is known as Palm Now and what they're doing. I just uh, hope that version 2 cranks things up a notch a little bit, keep, and the price needs to go down as well. I, I told them they should consider doing a MediaTek processor to keep the price down. Um, I think that's a good idea. Some of the MediaTek chips are great. Uh, you well, know, they're just we so
1: much less expensive. And, if...
0: and they pack a serious punch yeah. today, too. So, yeah. And so, uh, moving on from that, I want to talk about RCS a little bit. Uh, some news oh, this God. week. Uh, you wrote that story, so I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, Google's pretty much taking ownership of RCS and giving the carriers the finger, which I think is about time. I'm not sure it's going to result in anything. Uh, what's your take on this?
1: So I need to preface any discussion of RCS with a uh, tacit admission that I'm probably going to butcher and mess up at least something while talking about this subject because it is way too complicated. The carrier is reason it's way too complicated, and all of the details behind this are changing all of the time, and there are so many little things to remember about precisely how different things interoperate that I'm going to say something wrong 100% in the next 20 minutes. It's just going to happen. But uh, yeah, so The Verge was told, I guess, in an interview with a uh, product lead at Google or several different product leads that uh, Google is sort of taking charge of the RCS rollout by doing their own rollout. So RCS messaging works by having this sort of federated system of servers whereby an application like Android Messages, which is now just called Messages, can connect to, uh, to one of these servers And the person you're trying to send a message to can connect to the same server, or a different server, and through the network of these federated servers, you are connected and you get all of the real time, uh, uh, all of the modern amenities of messaging, things like uh, typing indicators and uh, larger limits for sending photos and all sorts of like modern stuff. The things that messaging in the United States has needed for years and years and years. And originally, this was a standard RCS, and the, uh, uh, God, specifically, it was the, I should know this, the universal profile. So the RCS universal profile was standardized by the GSMA. And uh, most of the carriers were initially on board with, oh, yeah, we're going to eventually do this. But each one of them decided to implement it in their own non-universal way, where some of them did earlier versions of RCS. I think uh, RCS 1 and the RCS universal profile is 2. I might have that wrong. Um, so some of them did incomplete implementations, some of them did implementations of the earlier versions, some of them stacked their own proprietary junk on top and called it something else, and it wasn't quite RCS universal profile anymore. So all of the American carriers have totally different implementations. I think the only two that uh, have actually fully implemented it uh, in the correct way are Sprint and US Cellular. And I think that there's still even some weird things about the way that they did it. But the point is that we're you know, I think Jibe got started in 2014 or earlier. So we're half a right. decade into this RCS rollout, and it's not here yet. We don't have it. I can't talk to someone on Verizon or on AT and with my T-Mobile phone and get real-time indicators when I send them what appears to be an SMS over Android Messages. So Google has decided, uh, screw the carriers, screw all the people who are standing in the way of uh, preventing this from working. We're going to roll out uh, support just via our own servers uh, in Android Messages. And Android Messages, of course, will work on uh, almost any phone. And I believe I spoke with someone who knows more about RCS than I do because it's so complicated. And he told me that in general, most phones, I think Android Marshmallow or Nougat and Forward will end up being ultimately compatible with Google's solution. So Google is just going to take charge of this rollout starting in the UK and France and potentially expanding to other countries it sounds based on the way that uh, the verge presented the information in the article like they got non-verbal or on background confirmation from someone at google that this will eventually be coming to the united states but they were not explicit about that they just said it's you know it's eventually going to come to other places and so yeah we can all anticipate at some point we'll have rcs via google if not via our carrier and uh so if, you, if, you, uh, if your carrier already supports RCS, that's no problem. It just means that uh, uh, Google won't hand, hand uh, off its RCS, your RCS message to its servers. You can continue using your carrier servers, and the interconnects will still work correctly if everyone's playing nice with Universal Profile. But it means that finally, everyone in these countries that, that meets the, the basic requirements, which would be way more people, will be able to actually and legit use RCS. And it's amazing, and it's great, and I probably got half the things that I just mentioned wrong.
0: No, I think you got a good summary from my understanding. I think that the the bigger kind of looking, pulling back and getting less into the nitty-gritty. Um, the carriers are greedy and they thought they could monetize this somehow and they couldn't agree on how to monetize it, which is why they would stall on implementation. I'm talking at least about the US. Probably. And that's why it never got adopted and that's BS. And the fact that Google finally is taking rain and creating their own servers to do it or whatever to make it happen. And the carriers are pretty much going to be out of the loop. Um, is good news because man, Google will probably do it for free and, yeah. and then everybody's going to benefit from a better messaging experience. The big, the two big question marks, the two big further zoom back kind of worldview here questions are, you know, while well, the three question one is, uh, are they ever ever gonna add encryption? Because currently RCS is not encrypted and yeah. and this is definitely one of its issues. And then two, how you know, is this basically Google's way of of um, competing with iMessage in a way by basically uh, taking ownership of a universal messaging system for phones? Um and, and remember the iPhone I think is RCS compliant, so it could be. At least it has the software in it to do it, so um, it means that you know it could interface seamlessly with RCS, and maybe then you'll start seeing the the right color bubbles on your <laughs> on on your friends' iPhones when you text them from an Android phone, even though you don't have iMessage at all. Um, so we'll see how that that pans out. But I think it's a play to kind of compete with iMessage is also a play to make the world a better place in general and agree. to not deal with the carriers and give them the finger after you've had enough time to make up your mind about implementing this and how you're going to monetize it screw you yeah you know tired of this bull crap right so then the other thing is the third thing is how the carriers are going to react will be interesting i mean they can't just prevent this that's the funny part like yeah you know text messaging circumvents is them entirely the there's nothing now, they can do so yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that evolves but you know they got what they deserved i think like this is seriously carriers like get your together okay like damn it like you're always stifling innovation like what i mean yeah 5g 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 i know
1: i do think that uh, uh based on the uh interview that Verge had, it sounded like Google was attempting to implement encryption at the standards level. So they were going to go to the GSMA and try to get them to agree to a way to do encryption on the RCS universal profile. Because I think that the way it currently stands, it's technically possible for an RCS provider to do encryption yeah, within their servers right. yeah. so but yeah, but, yeah. but that once it leaves their servers you have no way of knowing i think um or there's they have to support it on their end and it requires it ends up requiring some level of proprietary support and i believe yeah. that google wants to make sure that that can occur uh in a way that is more open just based on what i came to understand from the uh the post of the verge
0: all correct. There's a couple of more stories uh, that I want to quickly touch on before we we wrap up because we have to wrap up soon. Uh, they are two Huawei-related stories. Huawei-pocalypse, as I like to call it, related stories. Uh, part whatever number you want to give a part to here. Uh, it's a sad thing, as we all know, and I'm not at all happy with what's going on. I think it's unfair to everyone, not just Huawei. Uh, it's unfair to people who... Uh, uh, have products from Huawei and like products from Huawei it's, and, and they make great products. It's unfair to innovation. I think it's going to stifle innovation, all this Huawei stuff. We've discussed it at length on the show, but there are two new pieces of news. Uh, we're starting to see an impact on uh, on Huawei's bottom line here. Uh, they are, uh, they're basically announcing that they're seeing a drop in sales overseas. And uh you know Bloomberg reported on this and you know, obviously Bloomberg is very much into uh the money side of business. And uh yeah, so uh they, they're seeing drops of up to 60 million overseas. Now, you know, they sell a lot of phones, so 60 million is it, you know, it's it's not a drop in the bucket, that's the thing. It it's not it's not a huge amount, but it's also not a drop of a bucket. So it's definitely they're seeing an impact from this uh from this situation. Uh and and more importantly, uh, you know whether that's related or not but I'm kind of lumping into uh, Huawei apocalypse is they have officially delayed the Mate X folding phone until well for another three months but honestly I'm not too surprised I think regardless of what happened with the phone with the Huawei apocalypse and the general you know the sanctions against them and the ban I don't think that the phone would have necessarily been on time in the first
1: place especially after Uh, Samsung's phone especially after
0: Samsung's debacle so I, I would I lump them in together because I'm you know I'm cheeky that way but I think they could stand alone as different stories that are unrelated. Uh, either way you know it, it tells me two things and and, and, and in a second I'll, I'll I'd love to hear your thoughts on on both these things but for me it means that yeah this is hurting them and it's not good for anyone and two the the madex delay means that you know these folding phones are hard to make and hard to uh, to you know make in such a way that they will uh, meet the standards of what customers expect in terms of reliability and basically usability. So I think this was going to be the year of the folding phone, but I have a feeling 2020 is going to be the year of the folding phone now. Thoughts?
1: Um, you know, I think it's too early to really to know too much. I agree with everything you said. I just, we've only ever had one folding phone that kind of came out and then it didn't. And now we don't know when it's going to come out. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't even speculate about anything related to folding phones until we actually have them shipping and coming. And I, I think it's good that they're holding it back, especially yeah, in sure. the wake of uh, Samsung's issues, because I'm sure as a result of that, that they decided to do their own more extensive testing. And the fact that we're limited to plastic displays right now means that durability is always going to be concerned. So yeah. it's good that they're taking more time to engineer it. But, you know, I don't I can't really even offer an opinion about it until I've you know played with one and they're they're selling them and they're shipping and I don't I don't even know
0: yeah well let's see how it pans out you yeah. know I mean that's the thing like this this whole Huawei ban thing is definitely a bad thing and the as I said the 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 we're in a very much in a holding pattern for these folding phones and I think that it just shows you how some you know sometimes our ideas are so pie in the sky that they're really hard to to implement with the technology we currently have and it doesn't mean the idea is bad it just means that you know the pace of evolution and, and, and innovation in mobile is so quick that every now and then we have to remind ourselves that you know sometimes you get big hurdles right that yeah that you need to solve. And it might not be quite as quick as you're used to. And I think everybody in the industry is so used to that fast pace that when they run into a big hurdle, everybody's kind of freaks out because they're like, wait, it's not supposed to take this long. And well, sometimes it does. And Why don't we just iterate until we get it right? And it's only There's nothing wrong wrong with that, you know?
1: And it's only ever going to take longer as long as we're doing protectionist things like preventing Huawei from entering the US market. Like, we're reducing competition. It's going to reduce development.
0: Totally, totally, totally. So, hey, Ryan, do you want to tell folks where they can find you on all the social media channels and, of course, at Android Police and and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. So, I am Ryan Hager. You can uh, find me on Twitter at at Ryan Higger, all one word, if you can figure out how to spell it and i'm at androidpolice.com uh which should be easier to spell
0: yes um i will uh, link to your twitter in the show notes in case people want to spell you that your ruins name the joke no that's fine <laughs> Okay, fine. I won't link to your Twitter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you folks all know where to find me. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's like Tank Girl, the comic book character without the vowels. So that's easy. Just drop the vowels. And uh, yeah, that's I, I couldn't get that handle everywhere. My YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Miriam Joir, as you'd expect. And if you want to spell my name properly, just go to my Twitter account at Tank Girl and look at my name. Uh, you can spell that out without spaces at the end of youtube.com slash Miriam and get to the YouTube channel. And the reason I bring that up is because, you know, this podcast is audio. So if you want to see the phones we just discussed, a lot of them, I have them in videos on the channel. I have unboxings, I have reviews, I have, you know, um, hands-ons and stuff like that. So check it out, uh, subscribe to the channel, like the videos, tell your friends, all that stuff, and, you know, be active in the comments. I, I do listen and respond. Otherwise, if you want to just comment about the podcast, uh, Twitter is really the best place to do that so go to my Twitter account for that finally the podcast exists at mobiletechpodcast.com if you just stumbled upon the show and you're like how do I subscribe there's an RSS feed there and more importantly I'm on all the major podcasting platforms Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts Overcast, TuneIn Radio even Spotify you won't have any issues subscribing so just look for Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl there. Uh, finally I want to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is the platform for audiobooks. If you want to listen to books instead of physically read a paper or an e-ink display audible.com has got you covered. Uh, Maybe you're a delivery driver and all day you want to listen to shows, but you can't take your eyes off the road. That's the way to do it, audible.com. So if you're not an Audible customer yet, there's a great deal in the show notes. We have a 30-day free trial for you if you want to try out audible.com. So check it out. My big thing about Audible is that I love the fact that a lot of books are read by their authors. So it's like, you know, you kind of get really that experience of listening to the person who wrote it read it to you. It's a pretty delightful thing. So the link is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It's also in the show description below. Click through. If you do decide to do the 30-day free trial, you will support the podcast. So think of that as a way to help us out here. Uh, And I want to thank Audible for being a longtime sponsor. And finally, Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show. That was really awesome.
1: Always a pleasure to speak with you, Miriam.
0: Absolutely. We'll have you on some point in the future. And until then and stay tuned for another show next week, everybody. Cheers.
1: This has been the
0: Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.